1: Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, some 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, Oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.
0: The Around the NFL Podcast.
1: Dan,
2: quick, what's 17 times 32? 17 times 32, 17 times 32. That's literally impossible. And I dare anyone in this room to get it right now. You're asking me? Ha! <laughs> ha! From the Chris Wessling Podcast Studio, it's Around the NFL. I'm Dan Hansis. I did get a 39 on a state-mandated math test in 1996, but I could have gotten a 99, and I wasn't getting that answer. So that was a hit piece on the old Zeuser. and yet I'll be a professional about it. Patrick Claibon, Greg Rosenthal, heroes, Mark Sessler. He got the hell
3: out of Dodge. Nobody knows where he is, but that's all right. We will carry on. He's at home. He's he's right there, probably. Uh, No, I don't know where he is. The answer is 544, by the way. And I guess the point of that is there's 32 teams, 17 Ah. weeks. You divide 544 by 2, and you get 272 games. Used to be 256, right? Makes
2: sense. (laughs) Yeah. Very good. Very good. Uh how is everyone on this glorious Thursday? Patrick, thank you once again. It's a I texted Claybon. It's a Clebonasan's on the show lately and we're really thrilled about it. It's that time of year,
4: right? Um I'm doing news this week and so three news <laughs> shifts on Monday, Tuesday, uh, yesterday, of course, Wednesday. And of course I, I thought to myself <laughs> I want to spend some time with Dan and Greg today. Love it. And I'm walking by and you guys are like, hey,
3: so yeah, heck yeah, I want to be here. <laughs> Always a big value add. I I um, am a big believer in don't read the comments. Don't read the Reddit board. Don't read the comments. But I got to admit, Dan told me about this phenomenon on our YouTube uh, show, or we put the link up on YouTube of our right. entire podcast, that the camera stays on for about 30 seconds to a minute afterwards. Right. (laughs) And some people enjoy that 30 seconds to a minute because we don't really, we didn't really realize it. it. Who knows what we're doing? Who knows what we're saying? I'm making weird arm motions. And so I went to check it out last week and Dan, Dan's right. And it's, it is kind of funny. And, uh, I did check out the, the comments, which I, I normally don't, but I was there. I checked out the comments and it was a lot of, Oh, great when Claybon's on. Clay, big, big value <laughs> add when Claybon's on. Give me some more Claybon. It was a lot of Claybon the in people. the comments. You guys are underestimate have underestimated
4: the sheer volume of alt accounts I have on multiple <laughs>
2: media, social media sites. <laughs> it is intimidating. So much work goes into it, but I'm glad to hear it's paying off. I think those 10, 12 seconds or 30 seconds or a minute after the show ends on the YouTube page, that's the the true us. And if anyone's like, oh, is it real? Like, what are they really like? (laughs) Watch those 47 seconds and you'll learn so much about all of us. (laughs) You're going to learn so much about um, sports media and how to dominate the marketplace uh, today because uh, Andrew Marchand of the New York Post will be joining us in just a bit. We also uh, will open up the mailbag. We haven't done that in a while. We're going to open up the old mailbox. What's in the box? Nailed it. (laughs) <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow's head.
3: Oh, spoiler alert. <laughs> spoiler alert. Well, no, you don't even know what the movie is. <laughs> well, now you do. I mean, I do. In, in theory, you do, but yeah. I'm saying it, it couldn't spoil it. Well, let's <laughs> ask Maybe the kids. You talking about. Let's um, ask the kids behind the glass. Graver, how, what film is it? David that? Fincher's Seven. All right. Well, now you ruined it. Oops. Well,
2: and then behind you is Stapledon, a
3: young woman in her 20s. Like it could have been Pride and Prejudice or, or something Stapledon like
2: that. Stapledon does, doesn't know who Don Henley is or the <laughs> Eagles. So it's like you never know what the kids are up to, what they're plugged in on. There's a lot of things that Stapledon knows that I don't. Yeah. So I guess there's a give and a take. Sliding Doors. Maybe it was Sliding Doors. I've never seen that movie, but I've referenced it roughly 7,000 times. All right, let's get going here before we open up the mailbag before Andrew joins the show. Let's get caught up on the
3: news. what, what? what, what? What,
2: what <laughs> All right. Well, listen, it's been a really good start to the gravedigger era. <laughs> yeah, but for the first time, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to say,, uh, you let me down, buddy.
3: Whoa. And I thought that was said. good. Wait, you didn't like that?
2: I I made the request The Greg's double what's at 5811 of our last show. I wanted that to be the news drop. But I said, and I thought clearly, Gravedigger, mm. 20 consecutive seconds of that. Oh, I see. Twenty consecutive
5: seconds. He reaches
3: so for the button. Watch. Maybe what? You know, as the what? show
5: goes along, you can get the director's cut for us to hear at the end. I could do that. <laughs> that I, would I was, be great. I was using the reference file you sent, and I maybe was a little too too close to the. Reference. It's an uptick yeah. from
3: last week where I didn't give him a news drop, and then there was just none ready. So that was a <laughs> tough moment. I was just like, you know, you've seen enough. You've been right. a part of enough of these shows. Just assume it needs to be there. Right. I have You're enough a, to hold your
5: hand. I have a backup one now for the next. <laughs> Time See, that I can run at any time. He's a pro. Okay. And that's I that's what I say.
3: You learn from your mistakes.
2: You make and I a think mistake. Justin, one. on balance, has been an excellent value Absolutely. add, just like the Clay Bonassons. Um <laughs> But also, there's a, a very important to have honesty in the relationship between host and producer. That was constructive
5: criticism. I, I always look where I can improve. Love it, buddy. He knows exactly what to say. <laughs> <laughs> ah, there you go. You're on fire. You're all the way back. Uh, let's
2: start. With uh, some news, Greg is completely in love with the Eagles. It's a thing. He's got a buddy that's in that front office, and you know, you can connect those dots pretty easily. I liked him right. before any he of that. He likes the roster too, and that's, that's great. Everything's good. And they made another good move um, on Wednesday. They signed James Bradbury, the cornerback, to a one year, $10 million contract. Uh, so he's going to pair up with Darius Slay, who's great. Uh, So that's a a nice addition. Your thoughts, Greg, on a Slay-Bradbury
3: tandem in the secondary for Philadelphia? That's a huge upgrade at their weakest position. I mean, I look up and down this all 20, their starting roster, and I would have said second cornerback was the one spot where they really weren't up to snuff. And yeah, it's a defense that Jonathan Gannon runs where you kind of keep everything in front of you and it's very safe and maybe you don't need like a great one-on-one corner. You you need corners. You need corners Mm -hmm. in the NFL. And so it upgrades their biggest spot. And I just like the fact that they're trying their best to win football games. I feel like not every team really does that. And and they are trying to do that. Don't wait till next. You're trying to win right now. Yeah, the twenty twenty one Philadelphia
4: Eagles was like a case study, and you can't hide bad talent on defense with scheme. You, you just can't. And so we, we saw how they addressed it uh up front. Um, you know, and now all the levels, uh it, through the draft and free agency. They're way he, better
3: at linebacker yeah. now with Nakobe Dean.
4: You, you just saw tight end after tight end walking down the field, uh over and over again. Um just real issues in coverage, and I think Nakobe not and we said it after the draft, uh even if he Let's say he did have surgery and he's playing with one arm. It would be an upgrade uh, over what they had up the middle last year. So, yeah, a lot to feel great about.
2: (laughs) They are. And it doesn't uh, you don't have to read the tea leaves. We were just talking about it on Tuesday's episode, uh, digging in on where the football cognizante is at right now. And there's going to be a lot of people picking the Eagles to win that division, the NFC East. Um, Are they actually a better team than the Cowboys? It's very close I think. I think they're neck and neck and I think there's a clear dividing line. It would stun me if the Commanders or the Giants win that division, but I think it feels like a toss-up right now in the East. Here here we are on,
3: you know, May 19th, Thursday. The Cowboys' best players are better than the Eagles' best yeah. players. They they have a better quarterback. Uh they have better top-tier talent for the most part. A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, though, is a nice receiver duo. That now matches up with what Dallas has. But, you know, they don't... Tyron Smith, there's a lot of great players. Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence. There's a lot of great players. But to me, the Eagles, and maybe it's because I'm doing this projected starter series, they're a better team. They're deep on both lines. I love that. Uh, I think they address their weaknesses now, especially with Bradbury. Bradbury was a Pro Bowl cornerback two years ago, still young. Uh, I think their receiver position was a problem a year ago. Now that's deep. Quez Watkins is like a three. That makes more sense. I think they're a better team. I think they're a really good team and that their ceiling... Is extremely high. It's just as high as the Cowboys. And I think to me, they're a safer team because they're deeper. They could withstand some injuries.
4: Yeah, you can make an easy case, right? That Philly got much better in the offseason and Dallas got worse. It's hard to make the case that Dallas got better
3: right uh, this offseason
4: and, and yeah th- with the rest of the division I-, I would be paralyzed in fear and kind of in the fetal position if the giants or the commanders won the division i, I would be questioning my understanding <laughs> You'd be in the fetal position yeah, I- 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 clearly none of this makes sense i mean and the I've Bengals been wrong came with a one everything. stop
2: and went in the super bowl so pro football and sports does tend to surprise us
3: but the- I-, I would be much more surprised <laughs> right you know who never surprises. us Though uh the commanders or no. the or the team that used to be named you know in Washington. They never really quite frankly the Giants in the past half
2: decade that's fair, or so. That's fair um yeah, I like that thought, like the NFL blitz on N sixty four version of this rivalry. I would take the Cowboys over the Eagles, even though eh, Zeke isn't is he even a player anymore? I don't know. All right, let's move on. Joe Burrow, speaking of the Bengals. He had his first public interview since Super Bowl 56, a 25-year-old quarterback, uh, excited, obviously, about the new season to come, and discussed... Cincinnati's offense, what he believes they can be in the future, and also talked about, yes, that 23-20 loss to the Rams here at SoFi, SoFi Stadium. There was a play from the game, an image of Bengals receiver Jamar Chase opened downfield after Jalen Ramsey slipped on Cincinnati's final offensive play, but instead of an all a forever memorable touchdown, game-winning score, it ended with Burrow throwing an incomplete pass after being Cornered by Aaron Donald, here's what Burrow had to say about that
0: play. Yeah, I checked to that go route. I was anticipating throwing it, just you know, didn't quite have the time. So, like I said, we put this behind us. You know, we we lost. We had a great year. Um, we're going forward. I don't even know if I'd want to hear that if I'm a Cincinnati fan. That's just
2: a great uh, what if in the history of really the NFL. If he hits on that pass, Claibon. Uh, but on the bright side, this kid's got it up here. He's got it in the arm, and he's at Jamar Chase in 2022 and beyond.
4: Yeah, there's no, there's no right way uh, to to handle a loss like that, and especially if you're 25 years old, and here's like potentially, hey, this this could be the thing that you're discussing for the rest of your life because uh, people play their whole careers and never get that opportunity. Um, but I, I, he he's, he was not going to change anything. Uh, he feels, and you know, the tape shows it. Uh, he made the right decision. Um, he ran up against one of the greatest players to ever play football on the biggest stage. And
2: you know,
3: you tip your cap. It was uh, Donald's man. time at the end yeah. of the day. He yep. made the play, and that was that. It- I almost think the Super Bowl has gotten underrated. Like, that was such an incredible fourth quarter. Uh, so many different things happen. And for it all to come down to one play where it really went to who the Bengals were as a team, that they were just going to go for it. Remember that was fourth and one. Mm-hmm. They had second and one. They had second and one and just as big a play almost as Donald's game ending play was the play before where Gaines and Donald stopped Samaj Piran. So they Which couldn't why, get a yard.
4: Why was Samaje Piran in that? That,
3: that that's situation. a weird decision. Then the Bengals take yeah. a timeout and I love, I love the chutzpah for him to change the, the route. And he was right in doing it because they could have gotten either in the end zone or inside the 10. You only had, uh, You know, 40 seconds left, and you needed to go try to win that game right there. And Donald beats Quentin Spain. And... That sucks. Uh, it sucks for a Bengals fan. It was just a great player making such a great play in that moment. But I just kind of it's beautiful when football comes down to that, comes down to that fourth quarter drive where Stafford did so many great things. And then it came down to that one play and Burrow went down swinging. That's how that's how you well, want to do it.
2: Look at it this way. If, if, if you're an impartial fan and the, watching that game and enjoying what was a very good game, you missed out on that. Potential, highly dramatic. Listen, Burrow could have overthrown uh, Chase. He could have dropped the ball. You never know what would happen if he gets to the throw off. Uh, But yes, we were denied that moment. But what we got was Donald making the play, running down the field, tapping on his watch, pointing to the ring finger and saying, it's my time. That's another highly memorable moment that they'll be playing forever, including at Aaron Donald's Hall of Fame um, ceremony down the line. Hopefully not in six years. Did briefly flirt with retirement. Finally, uh, let us talk about something sad. Tariq Cohen came into the league a few years back. A really um, exciting little uh, June bug. Is that is that a <laughs> description of that type of running back?
4: I'm not going to call him a, a, a little June Seems bug. Seems derogatory <laughs> at this
2: point. That, well, he jumps around and he's very quick and fast and all Jitterbug? that. Jitterbug? Jitterbug, I don't know. And um, he uh, had some moments, obviously, with the Bears. Tore his ACL and missed last season and... And this is how they do it now. Um, the Instagram, live Instagram, a lot of players like to put that live Instagram out there. This is me training. I'm getting ready. Come sign me. And what happens? He blows out his Achilles on a live Instagram. Really sad story, claybon uh, for Cohen. You hope he makes it back. Uh, but now he's coming off a missed season with a torn ACL. Uh, achilles is a devastating injury for a running back just a a sad story here
4: yeah and and it highlights the means with which the position uh brings so much inherent risk for the guys playing it um and here's as you said right a free agent who is now tasked with making public displays of showing how healthy he is and Mm. in that display he hurts himself and it reminds me of um you know a, a wide receiver who's concerned about his usage right um and and doesn't, and and I think that this highlights that, you know, it's a dangerous, it's a dangerous spot uh, to be in this particular position coming back from an injury. And and I see, I see why some guys are, you know, especially in in the college and the high school ranks uh, are saying, Hey, maybe, uh, maybe I'll play outside a little bit more uh, because the future is, is unkind.
3: It's a bummer too, because his career was so exciting. He had that. Second year, he had over 1,100 yards from scrimmage. He was also a first-team All-Pro punt returner. Mm -hmm. Um, It hasn't quite had the same juice since. Uh, Certainly was injured last year, so missed almost all of last year. And uh, it was just like a fun player. We need more like Tariq Cohen-like players. Uh, You know, we need... We need the short kings. We need someone for my <laughs> children to look up to. The flautists. That, out there. Uh, the five, five, uh, five, six guys can go make the NFL. All you have to do is have um, otherworldly athleticism and combine <laughs> that with incredible strength and 190 that's pounds. It. That's yeah. it. That's it. But,
4: but fortunately, he was a fourth round pick, so he did get another deal, right? And he was able to get some money. Um, not like he was coming off of one of
2: those first round five year type points. Um, that's a great point, Mark. Ding. Uh, (laughs) A a, uh, June bug is like a beetle. So that's certainly not uh, Tariq Cohen's playing type, the jitterbug, whatever that's that's jumping all over the place. Um, All right. That's what's happening in the news. All right. Let's take a break and then bring on our guest.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring,
6: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Welcome back. What the moon landing was to the USSR in 1969. What Nirvana was to hair metal in 91. What Tony Romo was to NFL analysts in 2017. That is what the New York Post's Andrew Marchand is to sports media reporters in 2022. Whoa. And now he joins us once again on Around the NFL.
5: What's up, buddy?
7: Wow. Thank you. That's quite the introduction. I very much appreciate it. I, I've i had that comparison me before so that was very <laughs>
6: yeah,
3: it's a tough scene because you you have your own pod- podcast um, with another sports media reporter John uh, Oren so he's included in that he has been wiped out um, like like an eclipse
7: <laughs> I will tell John I will tell John on next uh, we do a thing called who's up who's down at the beginning of the podcast oh. like John it turns out yeah, he's you're down.
2: down oh yeah big time <laughs> um, you know we're in um, pull back the curtain a little bit we're in some contract talks right now on the Ooh. podcast Ooh. oh wow and uh that and your success got wait me... is this
3: a, just a, a whole thing because you want uh, him to write about
2: us no that's Dan? a scoop we're giving <laughs> we're giving him a scoop right off the bat but that and your success got me thinking you have put yourself in tremendous position for a life-altering contract yourself <laughs> when it happens will you report on yourself mm. getting the tony romo sports media guy contract
7: I will. Uh, yeah, sources tell me. I, I will consider that. I will consider doing that.
3: It is a yeah. weird uh, phenomenon that you bring it up because, like, there have to be reporters in our industry. You know, big names—the guys who break a lot of the news at Schefter, report, you know, report, sure. all that floor—that have uh, your type of media news, or at least have a good idea of it. But they, they probably aren't comfortable or not, aren't allowed to report on that stuff. Are you ever worried about these guys jumping into your territory?
7: Well, it's interesting you say that because when you're talking about Tom Brady and Sean McVay uh, and the other Troy Aikmans of the world, you kind of yeah, those are definitely. Uh, Schefter actually was the first one to say McVay wasn't going to go to Amazon hmm. and was he's going to coach and. My wife was like, why didn't you have that? And I said, oh, she doesn't know anything <laughs> about it. She said, "She said why? I said, Adam Schefter, she doesn't know who he is. I said, hey, he makes like at that point, three or $4 million a year. And she said to me, well, why don't you make three or $4 million? So... <laughs> I said, well, he covers the NFL. I cover media, so uh, but I'm doing fine.
2: You you got the you got the beat covered, and that's why we wanted to connect with you again because we're kind of like our show, especially this time of year where things slow down a little bit. We're we're always interested in what's going on uh, in the broadcasting ranks, and this is just the perfect situation right now, both for your gig and also if you're a, a certain you're someone of a certain level of talent and notoriety as a player and analyst, because the money is out of control right now. And it's become, you're getting paid like a quarterback now uh, to sit in a booth and call these games. I'm curious um, how surprised are you at how this has exploded? That's part one of the question. And then part two is the Tom Brady move um, or the reporting that was done by you. You broke that story. Um, And they have two of the next three Super Bowls, Fox. We deduced earlier this week on the podcast that it's a wrap. This is the last year for Brady because he's got to get into that booth and start earning that cheddar um, for Fox. Do you see that playing out that way with Tom Brady, considering what he's now signed with Fox?
7: Yeah, I'm not sure with Tom Brady. I mean, you guys know the NFL better than I do, but he had the retirement in quotes, whatever that was, right. Was, you know, um, was that about Bruce Arians? Uh, And then, The Miami thing uh, with the ownership possibility, you guys know this has been reported by other people, but, you know, people I speak to as well in the media game. I mean, that was real. That was possible of him going to Miami. And so um, when uh, when I think about Tom Brady going to the booth, you know, when that's going to happen, I just think. If he can play, he, he just might continue going. Like, I still think he could be in Tampa this year, and then Miami is a possibility. So I don't think there's necessarily a timetable on this. Um, I think Brady, the money got so crazy that he took this job. But if you look at his comments in the past, uh, he wasn't really looking to do this.
4: <laughs> but So in putting that in quotes, Andrew, right, and highlighting the things that he could have done, are, are you insinuating this This could just be a Brady leverage play to make football more attractive? Mm.
7: Well, I just think that he, this is kind of, I don't want to say a very prominent agent said to me that this was kind of a hedge, right? You have this and you know you have this. And let's just say a couple, a couple of years down the road, he tells Fox, you know what? I don't really want to do this. I mean, they're not going to make Tom Brady go every week. Uh, to do games that he doesn't want to do, especially at the salary that he'd be making at that point. So at this point, it's great for both sides and maybe Brady will do it. He'll be the next John Madden and he'll do it for 20 years. I doubt you guys foresee that. I don't really foresee that um, because I just think he's going to have other, uh, he has other options, uh, but I just, uh, this is something he has in hand. Uh, he, uh, even his comments has not seemed that excited about it, uh, <laughs> but uh, it just got to said. I'm excited now. Back to the you know playing. Imagine signing a
2: ten-year, three hundred and seventy-five million-dollar deal and being like, "Eh, that's all right, all right. Nice (laughs) hedge, nice hedge for me."
7: Well, he's Tom Brady. (laughs) I mean, he's Tom Brady, so he can do what he wants. You know, uh, but look, let's go on the assumption he will be in the booth. I I don't know if this really shows when he's going to stop playing. Uh, It it just, uh, again, you guys, I know, have discussed his. Retirement in quotes, you know what that meant if it meant anything. Uh, it just seems like if he plays well again this year, I don't know if when he's going to hang it up or why he'd hang it up. I get it; he has this big deal, but Tom Brady's going to be able to make money off the field uh, for eternity uh, as long as he doesn't do anything too.
3: Although this is a pretty good bird in the hand, but I like your theory. Like, yeah, it's a lot of money, but it's actually you know he's going to be able to make other money with the other ventures. But those ventures, you don't know how it's going to go. I don't know how his crypto uh, venture, you know, are yeah. going. Going right now, you know this <laughs> I mean, is yeah pay cash for that. Know, bird in the hand. <laughs> but I like your theory because it, it always it seems strange to me and that it's maybe a little more of an open question whether this contract is signed or not. Uh, makes sense to me. You could just like see what's going. And and my question for you is that is what do you think Fox is going to do? Because yeah, it's a hedge for Brady. It's also kind of a hedge for Fox. But they have this year in front of them, and they have big games and they're going to have the most watched games of the year a lot of times at 425 and it's a big decision and how do you uh, fill this one spot in this year considering that Brady may or may not be there uh, a a year from now how do you think they handle it
7: I think it'll be Greg Olson I mean they're negotiating now I think they made a nice offer to start Uh, I think Olsen, if I'm him, I get over my ego and I get into this small club that has a chance to do Super Bowls. He'd be able to do a Super Bowl at the end of this year. And he's in his late 30s and he would been in prime position to get, you know, one of these number one. Let's say Brady comes in, takes his job and he gets demoted. Uh, Collinsworth in four years will be up. You know, that could become a possibility. Ultimately, If you're Greg Olson, all pro, great NFL career, but not a Hall of Famer, you're going to have to do well because there's going to be, if Brady hadn't signed, you know, Brady looking over your shoulder and Aaron Rodgers looking over your shoulder. Breeze was looking for that
3: job, right? Say say, who that? Breeze was looking for that job too, right?
7: Yeah, he's still possible to be the number two there. Uh, So you're always going to have Sean McVay as well. So all those people are always going to be looking over your shoulder unless you do well. So just get the job do well uh, and build up your other businesses and you know you can be in that small group with these openings and where the checks are maybe you're not going to get you're not gonna get the Brady money. You're not gonna get the Romo money, maybe uh in the near term, but can you get to eight figures at some point in the near future? Yeah, I think that's very possible if you're Greg Olson, if everyone thinks you're great. Wait,
3: plus he that likes is. it. I mean, that's that's yep. it comes across on the broadcast. He likes it. And you don't get that with everyone. And I don't know if you'll get that with Brady. And to me, that's why like I'm more excited to listen to Greg Olson than I would listen to Tom Brady. And I don't think we got that with Drew Brees
2: either. I was I was curious, um Uh, What you think about, Andrew, how that played out with NBC, uh, you know, one and done there. And he left his options open in a cryptic tweet uh, that he sent (laughs) out that had everybody going nuts. Uh, But I guess my take on this is, and, you know, it was a mutual decision, I guess. Um, But at the same time, Breeze accomplished quarterback, obviously one of the greats of all time, but not a lot of experience as a broadcaster. Uh, Did NBC believe that they could mold him and, and bring him along uh, as it were, or was Breeze just not into it? And NBC didn't want to be in business with him anymore.
7: A couple of things there. I mean, they had high hopes, both sides for for him to kind of be the heir apparent to Collinsworth. Uh, and he, first off, didn't like doing studio uh, studios is different. You're, it's just more of a. I think from his point of view, kind of a fan view uh, where you're just kind of talking and having opinions. And he said publicly, he was on the Dan Patrick show, he liked doing games better. Uh, And um, I think if he wants to do games, he should jump back in the booth. And even though Fox is not going to offer him big money to do those games, because if you think about it, Drew Brees takes the year off, doesn't do the NFL his just stock is going to go down. Like he's not going to get offered most likely. I, I think it's hard to believe he he would be ever, ever offered the number one job at any of these places if they open uh, down the road. Uh, new quarterbacks will retire. He had a year that is looked upon, even though it was really only one bad playoff game, uh, looked upon as not good, kind of like another guy who kind of gets a little bit of too bad of a rap is Jason Witten, but kind of like that. And so – if he wants to do this, he needs to get back in the booth. And the reason, you know, it didn't work out with NBC. Yeah, there's some things behind the scenes, but uh, ultimately, mm. oh. uh, well, there's not. Come on, <laughs>
3: spicy. Come on.
7: What's so, that? Well, look, there's <laughs> uh, there there is some feeling. You know, Breeze wasn't especially into the studio part of it. Uh, and then I think there was real disappointment on that Raider Bengal game where. You know, there is a feeling and, you know, people who've been in TV for a long time know that those spotlight games, when you're first going to go on, uh, there's going to be a big opinion on you one way or the other. And you could be neutral, but he really had a poor game. And and that was, you know, that they, they put their neck on the line. And so they didn't like looking bad in that situation. Um, and they don't really have And ultimately, though, they just don't really have what he wants to do, um, which is what I've been told NFL games. Uh, So it just doesn't really work at the, when they signed Breeze up, there was the negotiations for the new contracts hadn't happened yet. And NBC, there was some hope that they'd have two packages and that would, would have opened up one for uh, Breeze to be a weekly guy. Uh, and that didn't happen. And so uh, he wanted Amazon and Al Michaels didn't want him. Uh, and so uh, he didn't end up there. This and is getting, so uh, here wow, we go. There's um,
2: multiple levels to the marketing yeah, of Drew I, Breeze. Andrew, our producer behind the glass, uh, Gravedigger, is a Titans fan. Uh, Gravedigger, you should, is that feel Good to you that uh, Ryan Tannehill didn't have the worst one and done performance in the playoffs this year. (laughs) That was actually Drew Brees.
5: That is pretty impressive because he had a pretty poor one and done performance. Um, Sure, yeah. Do we want
2: to do before we say goodbye to Andrew? um, Do we want to ask about this Dan Orlovsky? Situation that's going on Um, him getting moved up uh, at ESPN. You uh, another just another breaking story from Marchand on Wednesday that uh, Dan Orlovsky will join Steve Levy and Louis Riddick, Jr. on ESPN's number two NFL TV booth. And that's notable for uh, ESPN.
7: Well, look, it's it's really good for Orlovsky, because listen to the quarterbacks we're talking about, Tom Brady, uh, Drew Brees, Tony Romo, Troy Aikman. Uh, besides Romo, those are Hall of Famers. Romo, you know, is a all-timer in a lot of respects in terms of had a great career. Uh, Dan Orlovsky is best known for running out of the back of the end zone uh, during his 11-year career. Rough. So he's in his late 30s, and he's already in an NFL booth. Again, it's only three games this year. It'll be five next year. But we talk about what we're talking about with breeze is putting yourself in position for the future. If he does well, you know, down the road, if he builds up his name even more, so could he be a number one at some point? Yeah. I mean, you have to be in that booth to, to be, uh, to be considered, you know, you look at Chris Collinsworth's career. He was a pretty good receiver, but not a hall of famer. And he built up, he was, you know, further down uh, the, the, uh, depth chart when he first started. I think NBC was where he first started. And then he just kept moving up, moving up. And now, you know, he's a twelve and a half million dollar a year analyst, which in this day and age is cheap, but um it's still pretty <laughs> good insane. money for six Same. months a year.
4: Did you know before Dan? Uh,
7: I think we, we learned together. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I knew before Dan, Mm. I knew things were going on. I knew Fox was interested. You know, he could have gone to Fox or five day a week, uh, NFL centered show, and then do some, uh, lower level games there. And that helped him, uh, with ESPN to get that role that greasy basically vacated when, uh, he went to be the quarterback's coach for the 49ers.
3: What are your thoughts on Levy? I'm really not a Levy fan in the NFL booth.
7: I like him better as a host than as a play-by-player. I think ESPN has made this mistake a number of times. Is this they put studio more guys who are better in studio haven't had the reps on play-by-play into these big positions? Well, he's a hockey
3: guy. And, like it, it was the same thing when Costas was hosting Football Night in America. It's like the biggest sport in America deserves. Uh, someone whose number one sport is that sport, like it, Levy. And I'm not a hockey guy, but I, I know people love him on hockey, and he's been a hockey guy forever. And you can you can hear the pat, like he's 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 done it. If you watch ESPN, he's done that for 20 years. He knows the game. It's like if that's your number one sport, why are you on the biggest platform on your other sport? Just because I guess because you're trustworthy. I mean, it's not a big deal. I'm not killing. I mean, what well, did you do the yeah. NFL...
7: Yeah. For people from around here, WFAN, way back when, right? Okay. Before we if you're had... Al
3: Michaels, you can pull it off, but it's like, I don't know. It's too much.
7: Yeah, we had the, before <laughs> there was the Red Zone, the, you know, now there's all these shows where they go around to all the – it was actually, I think, called Around the NFL. You may owe FAN money. Mm. but uh, Where they <laughs> used to go, nice. and Steve Levy would host, and he'd go, go to Cleveland, and you know they'd go and they'd okay. give you the update. So he does have an NFL background, but it's just more of the, the not being a play-by-play guy. Uh, fully, He's gotten better. I've, He's gotten better. He's just not that stage. And the other thing that ESPN kept making the mistake of that they won't have with Buck and Aikman, they keep, they kept their own people together. And their first broadcast is on national TV on Monday night, which is probably the biggest spotlight in terms of the broadcast booth of any booth, regardless if they have good games or not, just because of how Monday night's situated in the, in the weekends, the NFL. Uh, and so I don't think that they were, they kind of were uh, put in there, you know, down 28 to three, a little bit.
2: Hmm. Uh, and I'm sorry you got sucked into that. Greg likes to start a feud with the ESPN Monday Night Football announcer every couple of years, and he's working <laughs> on a new not, one. Nah, that's not
3: true. Well, yeah. who you got now? Who are you going to go after? There's Box, no one. Akeman, no. Oh, no, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, uh, no, true. We're we're big Buck and Aikman fans. <laughs> no, Buck there Aikman. you go. Right, um, so it's over. The feuds
2: are done. You've said it all. Check him out on the New York Post. Uh, Check him out. He's the co-host of Marshawn and Orand sports media podcast. And uh, thank you, buddy. We always love having you on for your insight and your news breaking ability and best of luck
7: uh, in the upcoming season. Great. My pleasure. Thanks guys. Thanks, Andrew.
2: All right. There he goes. Andrew Marshawn. I love, I love Al Michaels dismissing Drew Brees out of hand. I get this guy. (laughs) Next.
3: (laughs) <laughs> and, and the whispers that he didn't want to go too into, but you could read between the lines of, yeah, the breeze in the studio. the uh, Like, the off-field fit might not have been a culture fit. Like, I, that's what I – when he said there was some other stuff that he hadn't been reporting, it just felt like, you know, to be nice about it, maybe it wasn't a fit personality-wise. Yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah, and uh,
2: so, yeah, make sure you follow – and you on Twitter because uh, he's on top of everything.
3: I All liked right. when Claybon asked him if he knew before or knew because um, that is something I was thinking about asking because, well, just because sometimes he's probably breaking the news that the people don't even know. And how do you how do you handle that? You know? How do you handle that? Like
2: He's emotionally, it. morally. We could have done another, like, an hour with uh, Marshawn uh, because our show just has this need for and knowledge in this realm. But it would have
4: personal too. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, all right. So, as promised, it's time now to open up the mailbag. We don't do it too often. In fact, a couple, I would say a couple months ago, I threw out our mailbag prompt and the questions. They just weren't up to snuff. Whoa. So we canned the mailbag seg Oh, so this was a chance for the listeners to really establish themselves once again as difference makers and and uh justin you were the you were curating uh the mailbag for today's episode how'd you feel about what the what the listeners brought
5: there was a, uh, some good stuff there was a lot of like very team specific stuff that's like i'm gonna ask about my team that's like i don't know how much we're gonna get into that Why not? Because that's that's the
3: the mailbag is a great time to sort of hit some teams and topics we wouldn't normally. Just just saying for the future. For sure we'll hit some. You know, it's like we haven't had a lot of um, trying to think of a team here. Throw a team out. (laughs) Jaguars (laughs) talk.
5: Let's start with the Jaguars All right, there you go. That's why it's a mailbag, baby. All right. First question, do you think Trevor Lawrence will have a glow-up in year two? With Doug P. at the helm, I think they'll be better, but that wide receiver core is bad. Is Christian Kirk really the answer? Bonus question, will Greg Rosenthal release that emo ep? Emo Revival is very hot right
3: now. Mm. Ah, (laughs) We were never an emo band. We were... You know, I've said this on the show before. If I had to try to compare us to a band, maybe the Dead Milkmen, a little jokey the and tapes? indie and, and something like that. The Delaware tapes that were promised. I never promised
1: help anything. It.
3: Remember this? I'm
1: so hungry.
3: We need your help. We need this. Who is this again? Come on, Greg. So your are kids? kids. We are in the future. <laughs> Will you be my dad? <laughs>
1: We need your help, Greg. Can I trust you? Hey, Jack.
3: Can I trust you? We must listen to Delaware. Do it for us. Yeah, to uh, To recap any listeners that weren't with us <laughs> five years ago. We need your help, Greg. It's still going? Okay. We um, have Delaware. That is Dan you using
2: really
7: his... We need to listen to Delaware. up <laughs> to
2: you. It's up to you. Uh, it's not just my children; it's children all across
3: yeah. the Southland, children across the world that need it. Because the reason why, right? But also using them um, to ask like different questions that maybe were in your mind that made you laugh just now, like <laughs> "Do I trust you?" So we got to learn about now the reason why the voice of the
2: future, the children, was because we once offered Greg, we would we would make a or the listeners would make a sizable donation to some type of children's charity if you let us hear <laughs> some the tapes
4: type of, of your... <laughs> yeah.
2: uh, Claybon was going to pick the, the children's charity. Oh, okay. Some orphanage or something like that. Okay. Um, if Greg just played the tapes. And to think that Greg actually turned that down. I don't have the
3: tapes. I don't have the tapes. Are the tapes out there? Uh, this This great listener is, you know, wanting some Trevor Lawrence content. I'm going to give it to well, him. he. I mean, he knew better. He, he's asking for the tapes. Uh, We're going to talk about the tapes. I think Trevor Lawrence was such a fascinating. I think we need the tapes, Greg. I, <laughs> all right. All right. We got it to you. Uh, he was such a fascinating guy to watch because, like, you want to put something into the 16 games that he actually played. Uh And it wasn't great, I think what he was as a rookie, like you saw the timing, the flashes, the good stuff, and it it felt like as the season went along, he was just trying to not make mistakes. He was just trying to not blow things, and I think that what made sense on that team, like he was trying to make his inter touchdown interception ratio not totally fall apart, and he was a little hesitant, so I'm very optimistic that he's gonna be way better. It reminds me a little bit of what the Patriots did in the last offseason. Yeah, they didn't get the greatest group of players around Mac Jones, but they went from like league worst to somewhere in the middle, lower middle of the pack. And I think and, that's kind of what the Jaguars did. Replace Josh McDaniels with, with uh, right. Matt Patricia. Like, then, we'll talk about that on another show. No, I'm saying that's what they did yes. in, in 2021 got when it. they spent all that money. Got it, got it, and man. in this case, yeah, you're playing league worst coaching too with another middle maybe of the pack coach. And so that's going to help him so much that I'm very yeah. optimistic.
2: Having
4: your head coach not like be on a, a one-year mission to be an unmitigated right
2: to everybody he sees in the world. I, I thought I've said this on the show. Like I'm very bullish on the Jaguars improving this season. I'm bullish on Trevor Lawrence. I think who comported himself with a lot of dignity and uh, got through that season despite being a kid. Um And he, and he also made a handful of the prettiest throws of, of any rookie quarterback. But last the
3: football year, so. was was bad overall to the point where okay, this is a generational guy on paper. Right. That like. If he was Andrew Luck or Patrick Mahomes, I wouldn't. Wouldn't we have seen
2: it a little more? A little more. It's a generational bad coach and a bad generational bad environment. And it's almost like I see what you're saying. It's fair that maybe we should have seen more like Peyton Manning threw 28 touchdowns, 28 interceptions his rookie year, but he also threw 27 touchdowns and had some great drives as the season went along down the stretch of
3: games. Maybe we didn't see enough. My point is like, what's fair for expectations. Like if Trevor Lawrence is a league average starter this year, I think you got to be really happy if you're the Jaguars. That's a big step up. That said, um, if you had gone into like when he was drafted, he's going to be a league average starter after two years. Well, that, that is lower than like what we saw out of Kyler Murray or some of these other guys that have come out guns blazing That might be lower than Mac Jones is this year. So it's just tricky to where you put that expectations, where people are going to actually be happy. You're, you've kind of
2: annoyed me because last show you were talking about how you wanted to save takes and you didn't want to burn off takes. Now I'm ta- making takes. No, but now you have that. I'm thinking about that now. And i was also thinking about, we were talking about the lions and trying not to get too bullish on the lions i'm gonna do the same thing with the jaguars i'm just by the time september comes around i'm gonna have that team's 13 and 4 or whatever and Oh, <laughs> and it's gonna be ridiculous you're
3: high on him which makes yeah. total sense the draft knicks all would take him number one not even thinking again and that makes total sense all
2: right before we jump into another question
3: let's take a quick responsible
2: break
0: you go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring I said, I said OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because you mean it? Ain't
6: it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: All right, what else we got? All Ray right, Baker. moving on. Which team is the, quote, Andy Dalton scale of teams? All teams above them are probably good, and all teams below them are probably bad. Do historically or like in the twenty twenty two landscape? How do you want to tackle
2: this? At the, at first blush, it's I'm thinking historically,
4: and I don't know if it's because I heard it from the voice of one Justin Graver, but I'm just going to say the Tennessee Titans.
3: Oh, uh,
4: a, a traditionally good
2: team. You know that hurts them too. Yeah,
3: it, it, yeah. it's well, tough, over the it's, years. Yeah, yeah. but, it's, but what it's about hard. this year? This year, that's even true. Hmm. It, it feels it feels kind of true this year. Now that when you asked, I think. I'm thinking more about this year because that was what the scale was. It sort of moved up and down based on the year. For this year, I would go Vikings, which actually isn't a bad answer for the last That's good. 10 yeah. to 15 That's good. years. They feel very much like, like they're going to be stuck in the middle no matter I what. I got another option in the other conference, the Raiders. Okay. Mm. They're kind of like if you're right now, the Raiders, like yeah, right now, I would, the last I'm couple of years, you. if you're not on this the last side. 20 years, certainly they've been terrible right but in this year. I'm talking yes. about the recent NFL.
2: Yeah. If there's an all time Dalton scale team, like the, like, I don't know, that might be
3: a little too broad to really drill down on. Um, yeah. This year though, I think the yeah. Raiders are a great answer. I even felt they were kind of like that last year, really like you chargers. You should have probably won that game. So all sure. right. What else we got?
5: All right. Moving on. This is, Oh, a more fun one. Is watching Commander's games while going commando a proper way to show support? Hmm. So,
3: well, I, know, some a, I might know, know what Carson Wentz's answer would be yeah. uh, to this one, uh, no yeah. doubt.
6: As we all know, decided to really go ahead and uh, start to take command. And you should <laughs> the, the, know, he was not quote, wearing underpants yeah, on the plane the when he said really that. It <laughs> really
4: comes into context when you think about it being somebody not wearing <laughs> underpants.
3: Um,. Well, that's a it's a it's a better question for Mark, famously um, not a huge fan of underwear. No, I'm not. I'm not doing that. I I, used he
2: finally um, changed his ways. But for probably the first five years we knew him, that was his thing. And it would be distracting to me because I'd be like, the only thing separating
3: us is a thin, thin layer of denim. (laughs) Although at least he wore jeans every it wasn't like it wasn't like gym shorts or anything. That feels
5: so uncomfortable. Yeah, it seems, it's seems it's like a, very, a bad idea.
3: It's a very Sessler thing, put it that way.
2: Mm-hmm. It's something if you live in a commune in Colorado for a while, you're probably not wearing underpants. Underpants is a funny word, by the way. <laughs> Super funny. <laughs> yeah. like Just, underpants is way funnier than underwear. Yeah, it's The old it's underpants read was, was
5: always one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, underpants. The underpants era. Um, underpants. You guys ever read Captain Underpants? Uh, I've read it to my children, yes. Yes, huge when I was in yeah. elementary school. All right. Um, nice flex. For Greg. <laughs> Which fan base is the most tiresome on Twitter these days?
3: I would say the Bears. I I have a theory. When you're a once proud franchise that has a quarterback problem um, or hasn't had a quarterback in a while, now Fields I like, uh, but especially under Trubisky, they were just they were a tough situation. So I'm going to go Bears right now because it's like the once proud franchise that like doesn't want to believe they are where they are right now.
5: Okay, good answer.
3: What do you got, Claymont?
4: Um, I, I mean, everybody's equally annoying. You've got these annoying people in all of these fan bases,
3: and they all have no. their particular trials and no. tribulations. But there's and, just more of it, them in like the Patriots or the Bears or the Giants.
4: Yeah, and, I, I so. will say that. Yeah. In fact, you've convinced <laughs> me, Greg, Patriots fans are the absolute
2: Um uh, Yeah, that's that's an easy that's the safe answer. Uh, this nude I talked about on Tuesday show, this new breed of vocal Browns fans. Very much on my radar. Oh, yeah. Um. So that would be my vote, but only uh, again. Only of a
5: fraction of that fan base. I don't know how big the fraction is, though. I'm just glad you didn't say the Titans. All All right, right. let's give them a break. (laughs) (laughs) Who is the anti-team of ATL? Not necessarily the team you all collectively dislike, but the team you all collectively feel the most meh about. Well, Wes used to talk about the Bermuda Triangle
2: of NFL coverage that we fell into, and he did a good job pumping up those AFC and NFC South teams. Ah... that would be my first Right, he, he would say the Panthers. The, the maybe.
3: um maybe. The Commanders over the years in their different iterations has definitely been the, the team um, uh, I was the most anti because of the way that they were run from the top down. And that really hasn't changed because uh, of just what's been going on off the field for two decades. And it kind of shows up on the field, too. But that's that's like active animosity, though. Right, we're, that's we're true. For like yeah. But let's say an anti-team of ATL. I guess if it's ambivalence... I feel like uh, the Falcons slip under the radar. I've tried to like stick up for them over the years, but yeah, the Falcons. Yeah,
2: Houston would be my vote.
5: What else? All right, this one I'm going to pose as an either-or question, so answer one of the two. And by the way,
2: can. I would say this. One thing that I personally you got to go, Patrick. Yeah, right, it, we knew out. he had he had news
3: coverage. <laughs> this is actually. Um, is there something
2: breaking? There's no breaking. This is oh, okay.
4: scheduled hit. So so tell
3: him no. This Threat is down. this has been um, really your move. Actually, on the around the NFL podcast, yeah, this, this is, is a throwback we're move. We're tradition. Have, he would have to run downstairs. You remember from from yes. our old studio down to the news desk. Like the, See those you, Patrick, children, Flavio. those unnamed children, asking, "Can we trust
2: you, Greg?" No one asks that the the news acumen, and we could trust what comes out of Patrick Claybon's mouth. Appreciate you guys when he's behind the camera or Thanks, in front Patrick. of it. Thanks. Thanks you, Thank Patrick. Thanks, Patrick. Thank you, guys. There you, buddy. There you go, buddy. All right. Um, I was going to say, I think one thing we collectively strive for on this show is to give teams coverage, the old inside the NFL philosophy. So the fact that we highlighted, for instance, Houston and Atlanta, maybe that's a goal
3: for us, Greg. To maybe give them a little more shine, but teams also Houston since Watson trade has been about as off the radar as an NFL team. can Right. Date. I was going
2: to say teams kind of earn, um, being ignored on this podcast, typically either through irrelevance or just being boring. So for the most kind of part, that's true.
3: The West always had a problem with their Titans coverage because they were, they were in that middle and they had a chance to be better. Right. So in theory, the middle should get more than the bottom, but the, yeah, you know, the secret is is I don't know if it's
5: a secret, like the bottom's more interesting. Yep. You know, there's more going on. Yep. All right. Which twenty twenty one playoff team is most likely to miss the playoffs or oh, this is a question. Okay. Which below five hundred team is most likely to make the playoffs? Okay. Right, I gotta so refresh myself
3: and, and think about who was in the postseason uh a year ago. I mean, it's gotta be the the Steelers. It's just crazy because I I wouldn't totally discount the Steelers from getting it together, um, but the Steelers, Raiders, Cardinals are the ones that pop off uh, right off the bat. Titans maybe close. Sorry.
2: Yeah, the Cardinals I got my, are on my radar a little bit because I just don't think it's a very healthy vibe there. But they also do have some really talented players, including a you know a star quarterback who's a little embattled right now. But uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, yeah, Steelers I think are the are the pick for me as well,
3: just because of what you said. I'm taking it back actually. I'm going Cardinals. I have no faith in the like when I saw the over under for Cardinals is like a winning team, I just feel like there is there's absolutely a chance at least that they're Picking in the top five. Did you next year? Then it you goes to the really really Cardinals. Yeah, oh, yeah. But okay. I'm now. Once you said it, you almost it, said it like I didn't say it. No. <laughs> like
2: you had brought it up.
3: No, once you said it, uh, <laughs> I suddenly was transported back uh, to SoFi Stadium, January seventeenth. My kids going absolutely oh crazy, and then I look at this roster. When I did the the projected starters uh, for the NFC West. They got a lot of problems like they have big holes in Kyler Murray and some things make up for it. I, I feel like they could be back in the playoffs, but there's a scenario where they're four and 13 and they're just terrible. And I don't know if I can say that about almost the any whole other thing team. gets blown up right, where there's about any other team in, in the play. That our, made the playoffs.
2: Um, our friend of the show. Sorry, Arizona. And my longtime friend, Jason Zumwalt. I sat in the second to top. Uh, row of the upper deck, watching the Rams obliterate the Cardinals, like uh, watching that Kyler Murray give up pick six that turned the game into a a celebration at SoFi. And then I just realized that, again, Jason Zumwalt, Arizona sports fan, got excited for a game seven between the Suns and Mavericks um, that (laughs) turned into the definitive game seven trouncing that we've ever seen. I didn't know this that Gravedigger, by the way, is a Dallas native and is a big Mavericks fan. He's wearing a Mavericks t shirt. Uh so Zumwalt in the span of a couple of months was at the playoff game where the Cardinals organization went up in flames. And then a game seven that
3: all game sevens will be judged by that in terms of no shows. That I I I always say like some blowouts are entertaining. Seahawks, Broncos in the Super Bowl, it was entertaining for most of it, because you were just like, I can't believe this is happening. And I feel like that Suns game was like that just as a study of like human nature. To see them score 27 points in the first and the way the crowd was falling apart,
5: I don't know. It just, I'm with you. Uh, let's do a couple more. What do you got? I got two more. This one is a little more thoughtful. Which current NFL player would you like to write a biography about? And why? Oh, we would be writing it. You would be writing a biography so, about so an NFL look, player. So you get like right, spend a pa- season with right them. Right on
3: paper, like Rodgers would be a fun one to read, but I don't want to write it. I don't want to spend... I'll hang out he, with them. Uh, yeah, you I probably see
2: things that you could never unsee. I don't want to see it.
3: Uh, all right, I got two. Yeah, because it kind of goes with like, who do I want to hang out with? Who do we uh, who would be fun? Two very different books. The the first is Lamar Jackson. It's a little early to write about it, uh, but spending a season with him, I just think he's an interesting guy. We don't know a lot about him. Uh, This season particular is interesting. At some point, a Lamar one, I think, would be fun. Maybe it's a little early. Hmm. The other one is a totally different type of book, which would be a Dan Campbell book. Mm. Just think he's he's been around he's been a player he's been an assistant coach he's been around this isn't so much a biography as maybe a season in life the type of books that paul zimmerman used to write following weeb eubank around like oh, i yeah. would be into like a, a dan camp because i think there's i think he's an intelligent guy too and you kind of think of him as a meathead there's i think there's a lot going on there that's a good one i like that um and i guess we'll get a little bit of that with hard knocks
2: yeah, Mike Tomlin would be kind of interesting to yeah, learn about.
3: Yeah. Um like what makes him tick? Like what's his deal? Like whole, how does he I'd feel about things? I'd love to find things. out the the Steelers are some great books back in the day yeah. and that culture and the organization absolutely. And he's been a, at the center of the
2: AFC for a long time, just a lot of stories uh there. I, I'll go I'll go with Tomlin, but uh I feel like one's going to pop in my head uh but for now I'll go with him. What about a biography that focuses on Zach Wilson's 2022 offseason <laughs> turning into a little thick boy and um, then proceeding to take the NFL by storm? But the From book, boy to man, the book ends. He definitely hit the weight room. Looks beefy. Uh, <laughs> He's a little beefy thick boy. That's the name of the biography um, forward by Greg Rosenthal, actually. Um, and then the, the book ends at the onset of training camp. So. We really get to craft a story that uh, of a boy becoming a man becoming a little thick boy and uh, and then it just ends as training camp begins. There's no way it could have a bad ending. it's just a moment in time. We just Snapshot. need
3: we need some authors out there to go out and do it. I know access isn't the same but we just don't have the same types of uh, season in the life. Uh, books there was there was that Jets book you know like like that was play great like you mean it Like I, that's not what was that what it was called play was like it? a jet play no <laughs> oh play like you mean it was the Rex
2: Ryan biography that I read and wrote about for this website years ago
3: uh, we're thinking of collision low crossers, collision low crossers but book, crossers. books like that um like a season in the life like actually getting an actual feel you don't get you don't get those anymore all right. Is that it?
5: Was there any other? I got one more right. as we head into the off season. The meat of it, really. What is the most tiresome off season trope? Trope
2: alert. Oh, so many trope to choose alert. from. Uh, trope I think best shape of my life is always the the go to, the standard bearer uh, for me. Also, the trope. Um, I'm playing much. Everything is slowed down for the second year quarterback. Ahead of schedule in terms of injuries. Ahead of schedule is a great one. Uh, but I really do like, like for instance, speaking of my little thick boy, um, that storyline, you're going to read a lot of notebooks leads in August about how all the second year quarterbacks, including Zach Wilson, everything's just opened up for me this year. I'm seeing the field in a way that I wasn't seeing as a rookie. And then it's like, they never say that in year one. They ne- they're never like, <laughs> right. I can't see anything. I Everything's a blur to me. like, but then you come eight months later, and you're like, "Last year, what a joke! I shouldn't have even been on the field." But this year, different. Also, draft bust X looks ready, like he's ready to turn the corner. Is a
3: good one. Right. It's it's usually it's unfortunate because some there are turnarounds, but it's mostly like, "Oh, this totally disappointing aspect of last year is going to be fine now because right. uh, we're in the off season." Um, I do like
2: okay. Quarterback X reminds veteran player Y of Brett Favre. That's a good one.
3: <laughs> I don't know if you want to be reminded of Brett Favre right now. Um, you know he's being sued for literally stealing <laughs> <Everything>. <laughs> stealing money from the state of Mississippi uh, that was uh, supposed to go to children. It's a tough right. tough spot for. Th- Brett did Favre you read now. the story? The Favre story, yeah, oh yeah, I've been totally into this story because it's just like I thought there a were different levels on. of corruption. Like some people knew where the money was going, and
2: some people didn't. And I thought Favre was in the group of people that didn't realize it. But listen, maybe you read read it closely. More I mean, the million dollar me. man is involved, and it's yes. absolutely a story. <laughs> like Ted DiBiase and his son are involved, and they knew exactly where it was going. Anyway, before we sign off uh, for the weekend. We have not done this in a while. and thank you to everybody who sent in um, letters to the virtual mailbox. What's in the box? Let's do a little
3: culture recommendations. Ooh, I like it? Uh, I've got how many do you have? I've got too many, so I got to cut it down. I got a couple. Why don't you start? OK. Um, I'm going to go with the movie that I felt like got no uh, pop last year, but I enjoyed it so much. Uh, come On, Come On, starring Joaquin Phoenix. You are such a Joaquin head. I do. I am a big Joaquin Phoenix fan, and it was nice to see him just be a normal guy. Ah, that's It wasn't nice. like a huge... Uh, Storyline, basically, he ends up watching. It's an uncle movie, like probably the greatest uncle movie of all time. You know, watches his nephew. He lives in New York, watches his nephew for like a month. It's good on like family and uh, that that sort of love. And uh, it was just great. Really well done by the guy, Mike Mills, who did uh, 21st Century Woman, I believe, and some other good movies. Beginners starring Ewan McGregor. You, kinda, it was you
2: had me an uncle movie. Yeah, it's very much an uncle movie. I'm an uncle.
3: It, it's terrific.
2: Lily and Kelty back in New York. Um, all right. I um, read a book in Mexico, the 90s, a book by Chuck Klosterman. Always loved Klosterman. Um, but this is the book I feel like he was always meant to write. Just drilling down into what made the 90s, the 90s and how how different the world is now. And uh, you and I both uh, are formed of years. We're in the 90s and also people of our age group, like born in late 80s, early Um, Or I said late late 70s, early 80s were the last generation that knows what it was like before the Internet Internet and what it was like after the Internet. Um, And it kind of just digs into everything Hmm. um, from a tech standpoint uh, to a culture standpoint and how things have radically shifted over
3: that time. So.
2: If you're interested he's kind in that, of
3: a, he's like a 90s, not an icon, but he, I certainly think of him as like a cultural critic of the 90s. Uh,
2: absolutely. And he um, yeah, it's it's said that, you know, it takes about 20 years. Every new generation tends to be intrigued by whatever generation existed 20 years earlier. And I feel like younger people are really plugged into 90s culture now. If you actually lived through it. It's uh, really interesting to kind of break down what it meant to grow up and what the how the nineties impacted everything that followed. Did you know according to this book, it's been disputed by some uh other journalists, not according to the book, but it Bill Clinton sent two emails when he was president of the United States. What? <laughs> That's what he said. But then it was refuted. He would would never lie. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Bill Clinton. There's a really good uh, Bill Clinton breakdown in that book as well. So anyway, the 90s, a book by Chuck Klosterman. What else? I'll
3: jump off with a book then too. Uh, The new Emily St. John Mandel book. Uh, I feel like people know her now because Station Eleven was her book that popped into a big HBO miniseries. Mm. I like Station Eleven as a book, but I love Sea of Tranquility, which is her new book. And I really uh, like... uh, Glass Hotel which was the book before and like each one of her books have gotten better and you absolutely should read Glass Hotel before Sea of Tranquility cuz it's kind of uh, a sequel there's uh there's some time travel element involved but it's very much a pandemic book without feeling like it's um bashing you over the head with a pandemic book and I thought it was so smart such a quick read too um and uh I don't know. She she is just like extraordinarily talented. So I would I would say both those books. But the new one, Sea of Tranquility, is awesome.
2: All right. And I'll I'll end it with a a music wreck. Um, I've mentioned them on the podcast before, but me and my buddy Bob from Throwback Podcast are going to the concert tonight, Gang of Youths. They're a Sydney based band that they've since relocated to London. Just fell in love with this band. Can't wait to see him live. Great energy by uh, the singer, lead singer. Um, Has incredible energy and stage presence and uh, I love their music very raw and uh, anthemic and hard on the sleeve and a lot of the things that I like in rock music that aren't always quote-unquote cool um, Mm. is what I like in terms of a, a band that's not afraid to swing for the cheap seats and um, really uh, project emotion in an anthemic, a- anthemic way that's what Gang of Youths does that's their stock and trade so I'm looking forward to seeing them and if you want to discover their music uh, they had two really good um, albums in the last few years Angel in Real Time and Go Further in Lightness uh, from 2017 check out that band you will thank me mm. sounds that's good. To see, see. A, a little...
0: I,
3: I would throw out some music but I don't want to now I, then that would be too much no. But I think if
2: you like, what do they sound like? There's a little, um, there's a little Arcade Fire in there. There's a little National in there. There's a little mm-hmm. NXS in there. There's a little U2 in there. There's all this stuff mashed together. If you like any of those bands, I think you'll mm-hmm. really like this
3: one. I'm gonna do it anyway. Sharon Van Etten's new one, and and it T, Vince Staples. There's been a lot of good music coming out. Later. What
2: about you? I'm sure you have a take about our friend uh, from Compton. Kendrick Lamar and his new
3: album. I don't have a take yet. I need to listen to it more. I need to listen to it more.
2: Stay tuned for next week's. Do you have any pop culture takes, Grave Digger, before we say goodbye? Oh, yeah. Well, that's that's the center of pop culture. Uh, Before we sign off this episode of Dirty Pop. No, let's hear it.
3: What? 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 What, what? 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 what, what? 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 Does it feel like twenty minutes right now? What? 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 Wait how many seconds are we at? you gotta. You gotta give you gotta give Dan credit. I it wasn't funny until like the 12th second. So you needed all of it. It's like the to step on the rake. It's not the first time, the second, it's the third time the guy steps on the rake
2: that it's funny. All right. Everybody have a great weekend. Uh, we'll be back on I think Monday is yeah. the plan. Monday's with, the plan uh, with the show. So enjoy the weekend. Be careful out there. Love yourself. Heed the call.
0: Offer valid on select AK Systems. That's through June 16, 2024.
6: See participating retailer for details.